John chapter number 6 is our text, I'm sorry, this morning. If you'll find your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John chapter number 6, and stand with me as soon as you find your place. I suppose every pastor ought to feel this way, and it's not because of who is preaching or who I am, but I believe in the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God. We looked in Sunday morning messages for the past five weeks. We've looked at the offices of our Savior. We've looked at, the, at His advocacy, His high priest, and being our Savior and our Lord. We've looked at those. For the next three to four weeks, it won't be lengthy, I want to look at one aspect of Jesus, and that is His blood. Unbelievable studies when you begin to study the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to talk this morning about the power in the blood. Look at John chapter number 6, if you would, please. And I'll begin reading verse number 51. Please join me in verse number 52 and every other verse until we close together verse number 58. John 6, 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in me. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. This is part of the message this morning, but there is a doctrine of transubstantiation being taught, that it's, we have the ability through drinking of wine or taking of the Eucharist that we partake of the body and the blood of our Savior. Jesus is not telling us that anything turns into his body or his blood. He's not telling us to drink of his blood. I don't know if some of you ladies could tell me, I think, is there not on average six to eight quarts of blood in the human body? Surely we can't drink of his blood. So what is he talking about there? Well, that's the message this morning. We'll go back to it in the weeks to come. Uh, look at, if you, if you would please, uh, verse 54, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Read verse 58 together, please. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. And the text verse for today's message is found back uh, in verse 53. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you, the power in the blood of Jesus. Father, help us this morning. I never come to this pulpit without feeling totally and completely inadequate. There is a message that you have in these verses that you wish to be brought to every ear here that we might hear. I pray for that one this morning that may not know Christ as Savior. And Father, I pray they've never taken a part of your shed blood. And this morning I pray as we seek to lift you up that you would draw them by faith to acknowledge themselves as sinner lost and undone. And they might take part of that shed blood. But there's many of us, the most of us in here, have already taken part of that shed blood. 
We've taken part of the saving blood. And yet some have not taken part of the sharing blood. Teach us from your word today. Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to you and I ask you that you'd lead me and empower me. May your will be done in my life and the life of every person here this morning. For it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. when you come to church. I worry about, and I'm a sports guy, I get nutty when the Broncos are playing. Well, not last year. Uh, we jump and shout, jump out of our chair when somebody makes a touchdown, when somebody, when the Holy Spirit uses somebody to, through song to bless your heart. If it touches you, you can say amen. I was just sitting up here when 
Brother Miss Fine were singing and just praising the Lord. And I just want to thank him for some things this morning. All over this auditorium are answers to prayer. Amen. Brother Doyle, I saw you slip in. Brother Doyle has not been well the last couple of weeks. There's an answer to prayer. Slip down there, Michelle, sitting with Mike. There's a great answer to prayer. Come up here. Here's Brother Donald. That's a miracle. Amen. Joyce, we prayed for you last week. She's back. There's another. Betty's here for the first time last week. Answers to prayer. George and Fern, Phil and Mary. You look all over this auditorium and you just see there's just, don't we serve a great Savior? Uh, so many answers to prayer. And let me say this to you in case some of you are not back tonight. I want to thank you once again. I, we did not, two weeks ago was our anniversary, 20th anniversary in our church. I don't ever want you to think that you have to do something for pastor and family. But what you did do, and I don't know who, who was the instigator, what you did do was absolutely perfect. Uh, tomorrow, my wife and I are going to take a little rendezvous. For three days, we won't talk to you. We won't know you. We won't be here. We're just going to say adios, and we're going to go get on a four-wheeler. Pray for Kathy. Uh, no, I just want to thank you folks for church family for helping us with that. It's going to bless you. We're going to go. Some of you did not. I didn't know. Actually, I didn't know. I didn't get home. I had some counseling, some things to do on Sunday night, uh, anniversary Sunday, and, and uh, Brother Bliss let me know that he was going to be holding our services Wednesday night. I said, oh, are you? I didn't know it. I'm the pastor. And so he said, oh, preacher, you don't know, do you? I said, no, tell me what I don't know. And he said, you're going out of town. Okay, whatever. All right, the power in the blood of Jesus. A professor from Cornell University, in the very beginning of Billy Graham's ministry, went to Billy Graham, and he said this. He said, Billy, you and your messages are being heard around the world, but they will not be heard around the world if you continue to put into your messages the blood of Christ. Billy Graham was alarmed by that, and he made a decision that day. He said... If somebody wants me to take the blood out, then God must want me to put it in. So he made a determination that in almost every message would mention the blood of Christ. The power in the blood. Many Christians are failing in their Christian life and their walk with the Lord. And why is that? I believe because we do not take part in the power. We're saved. We're on our way to heaven. But that power that's in the blood is not released in our life. I'm reminded of the little boy that had a little kind of ugly dog, an old cur dog. and That little boy was sitting in a street corner with his little dog, and a man walked by, and he said, Son, you seem awful proud of that dog. What kind of dog is this? And that little boy said, Well, sir, that dog is a, my dog is a police dog. The man looked at that dog and said, A police dog? That little dog doesn't look like a police dog to me. And the little boy said, well, he's undercover. <laughs> I wonder how many Christians in our Christian life, we cannot tell, and others cannot tell, we're Christians, that power, the blood of Jesus Christ, is not unleashed in our lives. I want to show you, first of all, look, we're going to use a lot of Scripture this morning. Look at Hebrews 9. If you cannot follow us with all of these texts, please just listen and we'll mention them, Hebrews chapter number 9, nearly to the back of the New Testament. You'll find the book of Hebrews. 
I want to show you a description very quickly, a description of the blood of Christ. Verse number 22, and almost all things are by law purged with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. I want to make very four very quick statements about the blood of Christ. Number one, it's sacred blood. It's sacred blood. It's God's blood. It's the blood of God. It's the blood of holiness. It's sacred blood. Number two, it was shed blood. It was shed blood. John 10, 18 talks about how that the Lord laid His life down. His blood was not spilled. It was shed. He did it willingly. Jesus was not a martyr. Are you following me? He laid His life down. It is sacred blood. It is shed blood. It's not spilled blood. Number three, it is saving blood. It's saving. If you're here this morning and you might be a good person, but the truth of the matter is none of us are good enough to get into heaven on our own merit. But there was the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross, and that blood was sacred blood, and that blood was shed blood, and that blood is saving blood. And if you come by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, that blood will wash you of every sin you've ever committed or ever will commit. No wonder the devil wants the blood taken out of our messages. Because it is shed blood. It is sacred blood. It is saving blood. I want you to look with me, if you would, in 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. Look there, if you would please, a few books towards Revelation from Hebrews Look at 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the, read it together, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It's sacred blood. It's, share, it's shed blood. It's saving blood. I want to say this. This is why that blood, this is why he must be born of a virgin. You see, your blood and my blood is tainted. Pretty soon we'll have two ladies in our church, two that I know of, that are going to give birth. Those little babies, now we know one's a boy, one's a girl. We know the girl's blood's tainted. <laughs> Those little boy, that little boy and that little girl are going to come out and mama going to think and grandma and grandpa are going to think they're the cutest thing, uh, the cutest of bugs here. But you know what? They've got tainted blood. And they're going to rebel. And they're going to throw a fit. They're going to act like their mom and dad. All right? They're going to throw a fit. They're going to whine. They've got tainted blood. If the blood of Jesus Christ is sacred blood, do you understand why that he has to be born of a virgin? Because the blood that came and Christ was conceived of the Holy Spirit of God and not by the blood of man. Now, go back to John 6, our text. You'll read, and we don't have time to do this this morning, but in John chapter number 6, verse 53, if you read the remainder of this, after Jesus makes this statement, His disciples leave. His followers leave. After He makes this statement, look at this, verse 53, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, ye have no life in you. They didn't understand it, and, and they, so they left. So much so that Jesus is going to go to His disciples and said, Will ye also go away? Are you going to leave too? Because you don't understand what I just said? Why did that burden them so much? 
I'll give you a reference or references here, but you'll have to look them up in your own time. Genesis 9.4, Leviticus 3.17 and 17.14 says this, The Old Testament forbid the eating or drinking of blood. Am I right? It forbid it. So now Jesus is saying, I want you to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And these followers are saying, you know what? If that's what it takes to follow you, I'm leaving. So we know that Christ in the scriptures was not saying, I literally want you to eat or drink of my flesh or my blood. It's symbolic. These followers were not listening with their spiritual ears. The physical world is a symbol of the spiritual world. What Jesus is saying is this, and he's saying this to you and I today in 2018. Let my life be in you and let, you, let me work through you. That's what he's saying. Jesus is to your spirit what blood is to your body. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is to your spirit what blood is to your body. It just so happens that every nurse that we have in our church showed up today. But Stephanie and Mary and who else? I think we have some nurses or former nurses with us today. All right, Pastor, I have did my study. I'm going to play doctor today. All right? And I want you to follow me. We're going to look at the human blood. We're going to show you what Christ is talking about here, about drinking of his blood. Jesus in Jesus is to your spirit what blood is to your body. Just as the life of the flesh is in the blood, our spiritual life is in the blood of Jesus Christ. No wonder we don't have victory in our life because we haven't appropriated the blood of Jesus. You said, preacher, I have. No, what you've done and what I've done is taken part of the shed blood, the saving blood, but not a part of the sharing blood. We're like that little boy with that old cur dog. It's a police dog, but it doesn't look like a police dog because he's undercover. And I want you to examine as I have my life this week and say, Father, what areas of my life are not underneath your sharing blood? Where is there victory in my life that is lacking because I not appropriated the blood of Jesus Christ? They haven't spent any time, these men, at the feet of Jesus Jesus the only, not only talking about the saving blood, but about the sharing blood. Now let's look at the human blood and the human body to understand this. And I get everything I get from a famous doctor named Dr. Paul Brand. Dr. Brand examined, and I read his writings this week about your blood and mine. Now go with me. In your body is full in mind, there's all miles of pipeline. Is there? That's blood vessels and arteries. There's pipelines. And imagine in those pipelines are little boats. Those little boats that are going through those pipelines is what Dr. Brand gives us an analogy of. I want to show you this, what he talked about. From this, we learned some valuable lessons. Here's the first one. You and I must appropriate the constant provision of the blood. We must appropriate it. Now let's look at your human body. Your blood is constantly providing life to every cell of your body. Why are you alive and I'm alive? Because through your blood and mine, those little boats are full of everything we need to sustain human life. And they take it to every cell of your body. 
and they go back and get another load and they bring it to the cells of your body and mind. But we must appropriate. Think of the pipelines that flow in each of us in that pipelines is millions of little tiny boats that are carrying everything necessary for human life. This pipeline is the vessel and arteries in our body. On these little boats, and i just written some of the things that Dr. Brand mentioned. He mentioned the whole flu. Oxygen and lipids and nitrogen and hormones and amino acids and potassium and calcium and all, phosphorus and all of these things every cell in your body needs. It's in those little boats. And through your body, through the red blood cells, it's carrying them to every cell in your body. Isn't that miraculous? You and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're a product of the hand of God in creation. We didn't evolve. We're fearfully and we're wonderfully made. These are the red blood cells. Now listen to this. Dr. Brand says, average person has 100 trillion of them in your body. 100 trillion red blood cells. 100 trillion little boats carrying the nutrients to, every, to, the, to the life of every cell in your body. I didn't realize this. If Dr. Brand is right, Mary and some of you, Stephanie, according to what Dr. Brand said, it was not until the 16th century that medical science understood how that the circulatory system in our bodies worked. And in fact, the blood carried these nutrients in the, in the body. I thought it had been long before that, but Dr. Brand said it wasn't until the 16th century. We killed our first president, didn't we? We bled him to death. Because back then, they thought when you're sick, there's disease and there's things in your blood, so we'll take the blood out of you, and we killed George Washington. Because we didn't have the knowledge that we have today. You may need blood. Jesus saying to these and to you and I, you need blood, my blood in your daily life to survive the Christian life. Some of you are going to go out tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and you're going to try to live the Christian life, and you've never appropriated the blood of Christ in your life. And you're wondering, why am I sluggish in the Christian life? Why do I not want to pray? I don't want to read the Bible. I'm not victorious over sin. You've not appropriated the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, but wait a minute, preacher, I've got the shed blood. I'm saved. I've got the saving blood. Let's go a little bit further. Here's what Jesus is saying. I want us to repeat this throughout the message. Jesus gave himself for us that he might give himself to us. Say it with me. Jesus gave himself for us on Calvary's cross that he might give himself to us. He doesn't want you and me to live the Christian life in our own power and strength tomorrow. He wants us to appropriate the blood, the power that's in the blood of Jesus Christ. We are failing the Christian life because we have accepted his shed blood and his saving blood to save us, but we're not taking part of his sharing blood. Go with me in your mind, John 15. We won't turn there. This is the principle he's saying, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Are you with me? You're not going to bear any fruit unless you're attached to the vine. And the truth of the matter is, we come to church, we open our Bibles, we pray, we read, and we're failures in the Christian life because we're not appropriating the blood of Jesus Christ. And those spiritual cells in our body, those little boats, spiritual boats, will bring with them everything we need to live the Christian life victoriously, but we're not appropriating them. You say, well, preacher, how is that done? 
Everything I need to live the Christian life is in Jesus. True or false? Let me prove to you true. Second Peter, turn with me if you would please. Everything we need to live the Christian life victorious is in Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter 1. Some of my favorite verses. Verse 3. According as His divine power hath given unto us some things that pertain unto life and godliness. All things. Thank you, Brother Bob. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now watch this. Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature. You say, preacher, I'm saved. I'm on the way to heaven, washed in the blood. Good. You're not going to live like it. And you can't live like it, and I can't live like it, unless we take part of that divine nature on a daily basis. Let that shed blood, that sharing blood, be appropriated in our life. Look at this. That pertain to the life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. That word there says hath. Everything Gordon Rogers needs to live the Christian life is in Jesus Christ. Everything Bill Patrick needs is in Jesus Christ. Everything Kyle Wyatt needs is in Jesus Christ. Everything you need and I need is in Jesus Christ. Then preacher, why am I not living like I should be living? We have everything we need to live like we should live. I'm going to say this to you kindly as I can be, but as firmly as I can, standing on the Word of God, if you are living as a failure in the Christian life, it's a choice. Because everything is given to us by Christ through His blood. Here's a question, and I mean this honestly, because the Lord convicted me about this when this message come together. Would you raise your hand in this room this morning if you have all the love you need? None? Would you raise your hand this morning if you have all the forgiveness you need? Patience. Kindness. We're all lacking, aren't we? We don't have all that we need. So that's why Peter says when he goes back, he said, you know what? But Jesus does. It's his divine nature. And when you apply the blood of Jesus Christ to daily living, he will bring the sustenance that you need. I want you to turn to a text, Deuteronomy chapter 11. If you can't turn there in the Old Testament, I'll read for you. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. I never saw this, Brother George, till this week like this. Never saw it. You preachers. Brother Bill, never saw it like this. I've studied this. I've studied, taught, and preached on this. Go with me in your mind. God's people call for a deliverer while they're bound in Egypt. God sends a deliverer. What's his name? Moses. Moses leads them up. Does he go into the promised land? Why? He smote the rock twice, a rock, a type of Jesus Christ. God brought him up on Mount Nebo and let him look at the land. But who was it that led him into the promised land? Joshua. And remember, before he ever got into the promised land, God said to Joshua, Be of good courage, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Now watch Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 24. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness and Lebanon, from the rivers, the river Euphrates, even to the uttermost sea shall be your coast. I ask you this, you know the history of Israel in the Old Testament. Did they... Were they victorious over all of the enemies of God in the land of Canaan? No. 
But what do these verses say? God told Joshua, every place your sole of your feet goes, you've got victory. Child of God, let's think about this. That you can't see this rug up here this morning, but it's just kind of like this. In this is our Christian life, and we're walking not victorious, but the rug represents victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he tells Joshua, he tells you and I today, every place that you walk in the Christian life here on earth, I've given you victory. But if you're not living in victory, and I'm not living in victory, why? We have not appropriated the blood of Jesus Christ. Go back with me, if you would, John 6. Still don't understand? How many of you have a library? However small it might be. How many of you have books in your library you've never read? My hand goes up. Let's say you're having marriage troubles. I don't know anybody here who's having marriage troubles. Right? Let's say when you have marriage troubles and you've got, you've got a, a pastor recommends a good book. I could recommend a hundred of them. Good authors, good books. Or pastor gives you a book and says, hey, brother, sister, read this. It'll help you. I promise you it'll help you. Preacher, thank you. And you take that book and you put it in your library. And in that book are principles that if you read and you applied would help your marriage. Can you be victorious without reading that book? No. Now watch this, if you would, please. So that appropriating blood, Jesus gave himself for us so that he might give himself to us, so that he might live his life through us. Say it with me. Jesus gave himself for us that he might give himself to us, that he might live through us. Paul said this in Philippians 3, Christ in me, the hope of all glory. Let me tell you what people need to see tomorrow when you go to work. They don't need to see you. They don't need to see me. They need to see Jesus. And the only way they're going to see Jesus is if we understand and apply the blood, the power, the blood of Jesus Christ to live through our life that they could see in us, not us, not that we might be lifted up, but Jesus Christ in us. Paul said, the hope of all glory. As a Bible college, some of you, Brother Wally, you would have known this man and Brother Bill, you possibly would. At one time, the largest church in the nation. On that platform sat some of the assistant pastors, at one time 120 assistant pastors. In this chair sat a man that was just really nothing. He never preached. He didn't speak in the pastor's absence. He sat in that chair. He's in that chair every Sunday. His name was Johnny Colston. One of the original pastors of First Baptist Church. Dr. R.G. Lee came to speak at the college. The pastor told Brother Colson, I want you to pick him up. I want you to dog his every step. I want you to take him to the motel, get him checked in. I want you to take his baggage up. I want you to make sure he's got uh, ample food and clothing, everything he needs. I don't want you to leave his side. Dr. Colston is really... And those of you, just, just not, and a very unassuming man, but he did just what the pastor said to do. And if you know Dr. R.G. Lee, and if you ever heard about his writings, and he said this, the last thing when, when Brother Colston took him to Chicago Hare Airport, he looked at Brother Colston and he said, Sir, you remind me of Jesus. 
I wonder somebody that you work with and somebody that I work with or we're burdened. We want them to get the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they see in your life, in my life, they see the old carnal nature. They see us losing our temper. They see us not on time for work and we're unfaithful and we steal from the boss. But you're saved. You got the shed blood. You got the saving blood. Go with me if you would please. Number two. Dr. Brand tells us this, we must rely on the cleansing properties of the blood. So we looked at, first of all, that that blood, those little boats in the pipelines carry every nutrient to our body. Then we looked at the analogy in the scriptures that in Jesus Christ, we have everything we can to live the Christian life successfully. Now, listen to this, you must rely on the cleansing properties of the blood. Not only does the blood supply but the blood cleanses. I don't know if this is true, Mary or Stephanie. I almost asked you ladies to bring a, a blood pressure cuff. How many of you ever had a blood pressure cuff on before? I think nurse, nurses are taught to torture. <laughs> I think sometimes when they pump that thing up, whoa, wait a minute, my veins are going boom, boom, boom. Huh? And they keep pumping. Dr. Brand says this. I don't know if this is true or not. He said... If you take a blood pressure cuff and you pump it up, just start small. Start with a little squeeze ball. Then start curling away. He said, your arm will hurt. And the more you exercise, it will cry out in pain. And pretty soon, it will be unbearable. It will drive you to your knees. Now here's what Dr. Brand says. Why is that? He says this because that blood is not circulating like it needs to circulate. So in the process of bringing those little boats, bringing all the potassium and the nitrogen and hormones and everything we need, that blood also carries away the toxins. But with that cuff on, the blood cannot carry away the toxins. You and I, according to Dr. Brand, would die in two and a half minutes if our blood stopped carrying away the toxins in us. Wouldn't that be kind of cool if the same truck that brings your milk took the garbage? <laughs> no, it wouldn't be cool. Uh -huh. But that's what happens in our bodies. Those little boats bring us everything we need, but once they're empty, they pick up through the white blood cells... They pick up all the trash in our system and they carry them to the lungs to be, to, uh, to be expelled or to the kidneys to, to be processed. They get rid of the toxins in our body. Now go with me. Let's make a spiritual application. They carry away, Dr. Brand says, muriatic acid, carbon dioxide, toxins, and poison. They carry them to the lungs to be expelled, to the kidneys to be extruded. Look at this, if you would, please. 1 John, very quickly. Go with me real quickly. 1 John 1. 1 John 1. Nearly to the back of the book of, I mean, to the New Testament. 1 John 1. I want us to read together 1 John 1 and look at verse number 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us. That's continual action. You see, just like those little spiritual boats in our, in our spiritual body, they bring us everything through Jesus Christ to live the life like we want to live. Those little boats also take away 
everything that is toxic. Listen, you don't have to live with jealousy. You don't have to live with anger. You don't have to live with, with a corrupt mind. And if you do and I do, it's because we have not appropriated the power that's in the blood of Jesus Christ. Dr. Brand talks about that. That, den that cleanse there means it den denotes a continual action. Allow these toxins of fear and worry and jealousy and pride and bitterness and doubt to build up in your Christian life. They're toxic. They'll kill you. If we don't allow the blood of Jesus Christ to daily and consistently cleanse us as we live the Christian life, our life is going to be in pain. Go back to that, that cuff. It's tight and you're exercising. You say, preacher, you know what? It, 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 it pains me to come to church. It pains me to give. It pains me to forgive. Holy Spirit's trying to teach you something. There's spiritual toxins in your body and we've not appropriated the blood of Jesus Christ. He gave his life for us so that he could give his life to us so that he might live through us. We must purposely try to limit the worldly toxins. Now here's a lot of Christians. Okay, I understand that preacher. I got the shed blood. I've got the saving blood. And I'm going to take part in the sharing blood. I want those toxins through the word of God and through prayer and through the Holy Spirit. I want them to be moved out. Now watch this. But then you're going to go to the worldly movies. You're going to see a man and woman that aren't married together having sexual, sexual morality in front of your eyes. And you know what? Jesus used me. You just pumped your body full of toxins, spiritual toxins. What about the, the music we listen to, the rock and the rap and the trash music? And young people, let me say this. You can go to camp. You can get saved. You can come to youth group every day. But if you go home and you listen to that trashy music, you will pump your spiritual body full of toxins. You can pray all you want to. You can read the Bible all you want to. And you won't live the Christian life successfully because you're filling your body with toxins that the Holy Spirit wants to take off. We think somehow we're spiritual because we came to church. Number three, we must claim the conquering power of the blood. Follow me this morning. The great en enemy of mankind is not war. It's not famine. It's bacteria. Let me prove it to you. In 1348, the Black Plague hit Europe. That same year, Europe experienced over one million people coming to, the, to their continent to visit. Rome alone received one million visitors. And those visitors brought with them some viruses that the European people had never seen. Eventually, in 1348, it killed one-third of all the residents of Europe. A virus. Bacteria and viruses invade our body. Now, let me tell you what happened. I, I love this, and I don't, I don't know anything about your world, Mary or, or, or Stephanie. I know nothing about your world. I don't want to be a doctor. But Dr. Brand talked about it. Okay, go with me. You've got these pipelines and these little boats in these pipelines. And the white blood, I mean, the red blood cells carry all the nutrients for our body, and then they pick up the trash. Isn't that good? Now, red blood cells are the ones that pick up the trash. So here's what they do. Do you know that those, red blood, those white blood cells, they know when your body's been invaded. And they say, hey, you know that, I know your name, I know your rank, I know your serial number, and I'm going to attack you. 
and they build up fortresses and they blast them with, I don't know what they blast them with, but they blast them with something and watch it and they attack. But watch it. When do we get cancer? When do we not win the battle? When those white blood cells, something comes into our system they've never seen. And they say, I don't know you. I don't have your rank. I don't know your serial number. I don't know you. And so they go to the lymphatic system. They say, hey, guys, we got to ramp it up. There, we're under attack, and we've got to call. And in a, watch it. I put these, Dr. Brand said this, in the average human body are 25 billion red, uh, white blood cells. They can multiply 10 times like that. Once the lymphatic system is energized 10 times because the body's under attack. But here's the thing. There's only a limited amount of time to get those toxins out and get that virus under control. Child of God, listen to this. God has promised through Jesus Christ everything we need through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. He brought through those, those red blood cells all the joy, all the peace, all the love, all the forgiveness that we want. You have to apply it. He wants to carry away those toxins. We have to make it ours, the conquering blood. Let's say this as we close. Then came Louis Pasteur. What did Louis Pasteur do? He learned to do this. He took a weakened form of the virus that was killing people, and he injected us with it. Guess what you're getting when you're getting the flu shot? Huh? Louis Pasteur said, listen, we can train the human body to make the antibodies that is needed to overcome that. So follow with you, say, preacher, but I, I guess I don't understand that. Later on, we talk about Cortez came to the Aztec Indians. Do you know Cortez left behind one, Indian, one soldier that had the smallpox? One soldier. Cortez left behind. And in a matter of two and a half years, four and a half million Aztec Indians died. Weakened forms of the virus call your body to war. This blood has been injected with a weakened antibody. Now watch this. This is so good. And Mary, I don't know for you, and I don't know if this is still in medical sciences today. Dr. Brand said, you know, when they inject you with that virus so that your body will build up antibodies to overcome that, they call that blood something. Mary, do you know? I don't know if they still teach this today. Dr. Brand is from early 1900s. They call it wise blood. This is wise blood. This blood now says, I know that. I know that disease that's coming. I know that of infection, and I can conquer it. This blood has been injected with a weak antibody. It's called wise blood. A person who has been immunized has wise blood in them. <coughs> Look at John 16 very quickly, and we'll close this morning. John 16, I apologize. It's obvious to me that we have an air conditioning issue this morning, and we will address it. John 16 and verse number 33. These things have I spoken unto you that what? John 16, 33. These things have I spoken to you that in? In me. You might have peace in the world. You shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. Watch this. I have. 
Isn't that good? So when you got saved and every day when I apply the blood of Christ, it's like the Holy Spirit just gives us a spiritual antibody shot. I wish I could have done that for real. All right? Huh? Isn't that great? We got wise blood in us. Jesus Christ promises us victory. That ought to make you shout. We have wise blood. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Here's the conclusion. The blood of Jesus is wise blood. For the believer, anything Jesus is victorious over, can be, we can be victorious over. Jesus have a temper? Neither should you. Men, Jesus look at, at women's bodies through the, through the pictures of women, uh, women that weren't dressed properly and lust after them, did Jesus? So you don't have to either. The relationships in Jesus' life, were they what they ought to be? Did he love his brothers and sisters? Did he love his disciples unto the end? So, so can you. So can I. Away with this stuff in the Christian life. Preacher, I just don't have victory over that. Well, get a spiritual antibody. That blood has been given to you and has been given to me. Satan has no power over the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus already defeated Satan on Calvary's cross. Number two, every need I have is in the blood of Jesus Christ. His cleansing power, his conquering power, it's there. Napoleon, after losing the Battle of Waterloo, called his top generals into a meeting room. He had maps of the British Isles up there. And on those maps, there were some red circles and dots. He looked at his generals and he said this, if those red dots weren't there, those are the only places I was not victorious. I'd have conquered the known world. Child of God, we look back to a real big red dot, Calvary's cross. And because he conquered sin, death, and hell, and we apply, yes, the saving blood, yes, the shed blood, but also the shared blood that each and every day of my life, I would say, Lord Jesus, I know in you I have all, the, all I need to live victorious. Father, would you give me today what I need to be victorious? We must first appropriate the saving blood of Jesus by salvation. We must live in his word daily. We must confess our sin to remove the toxins from our lives. Let the blood of Calvary flow through you. Stand, please, Father. Help us this morning. I remember, Father, as the early part of this week as this message came, how it thrilled my heart, but how it also convicted me. To be truthful, I would have to say what Brother Summerdorf said several weeks ago. Sometimes I sit in a godly chair, sometimes I don't. I wish it were not true. And I don't know, Father, first of all, I pray for that one that's not underneath the shed blood of Jesus Christ this morning, that you might call them and draw them by your Holy Spirit to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. But then I pray for the child of God living in an unvictorious state, I pray that you would convict us this morning and help us to understand that blood must be applied. Convict us where we don't get every day, we don't get into your word and 
every day we don't confess our sins when you reveal them to us. May the power of the blood of Jesus be unleashed in our lives. 